Welcome to Riverbend Church's podcast, and thanks for listening. Riverbend is a church in Hernando, Mississippi that is focused on our calling to restore the community around us. For more information, visit rbhernando.church. We hope you enjoy the message. If you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, as we continue our study of prophet, priest, and king, a uh, look through this book of First Samuel, and you might say it's the Sunday before Christmas. We'll get there before the end of our time this morning, uh, because this is a passage that speaks of a new king. First Samuel chapter sixteen. I'm going to read the first thirteen verses for us as we look at this new king. The Lord said to Samuel, how long, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked at Eliab. And thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab. And made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Samuel said to Jesse, are are all your sons here? He said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
Lord, we are here this morning to worship you. Just as we sang, you are worthy. You're, you're worthy of your name. You're worthy of all glory and honor. There is weight to you and you alone for who you are and for all that you have done. Father, this morning as as we look at this passage and we see a king, may we also, Father, look to the gift you gave us through your son Jesus of the lineage of David and celebrate him as king forever. God, you have been good, and you are good, and you will be good. Thank you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if it's ever happened to you. It has happened to me once or twice in the 40 years that I have been on the earth, but I have a couple of times looked underneath the Christmas tree and seen a present wrapped. And I thought I knew exactly what it was. I I had the dimensions of the box. I had everything. The weight of the gift had already been shaken and already been taken. And I thought that that for sure was what it was going to be. And then as I opened that gift, I didn't have a clue that that was what was wrapped. Most of the time, there is an inkling with those gifts. But a few occasions, there has been utter uncertainty. I can't believe this is what I got. I can't believe that fit in this box, or I didn't even ask for that. 1 Samuel chapter 16, God, at the end of chapter 15, the first of chapter 16, God rejects a king, and God says, you know what? You had the opportunity to pick a king, now I am going to pick one for myself. And this king comes in a box that is wrapped totally different than one might expect. Two insights this morning on 1 Samuel chapter 16 as we think of a king and we think of Christmas. The first is this, for God, ordinary is where he is able to shine the brightest. Ordinary is where he is able to shine bright. Let me read for us a few verses there at the beginning, and let's discuss it for just a moment. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel did what the Lord commanded. And when he looked there in verse 6, he looked at Eliab, then he looked at Abinadab, verse 8, verse 9, he looked at Shammah, he looked at 
all of the sons that were in front of him, all seven. And he asked, uh, Jesse, are these all your sons? Because the Lord has not anointed any of these. God was in search of a king in verses 1 and 2. In his search, he sought out and found an ordinary, ruddy, yet handsome boy. This culture that you and I find ourselves in, this culture that we rear our kids This culture that you and I live out each and every day, this culture calls us, tells us that we are special, that we are unique. Are we though? Yes, we are in one form. Every single one of us in the room are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every single one of us are fearfully and wonderfully made by our Creator. Yet on another, there are some 8 billion of us on this planet. Some 8 billion that have hair in similar places that you have hair. Eight billion that have ears in similar places that you have ears. Feet like your feet. Chromosomes like your chromosomes. So on that level, we are not that unique. We often define ourselves or we define others by their work, by our work. I get this all the time. I remember my first pastorate when I was a little younger and I didn't hold my tongue back as much. As much. There was one gentleman at this particular church. He was a regular member, regular attender, and he came every Sunday and every Sunday or every time that I would see him, he would call me preacher. And about two and a half years into my time at said church, I just, you know, got fed up with it. I mean, my mom gave me a name and it wasn't preacher. He knew my name. He just decided to call me preacher. And so one day he said, hey, preacher. And I said, hey, furniture salesman. He didn't like that. And we just carried on the conversation. And every time that he interjected preacher, I interjected furniture salesman. Why? I was just doing the same that he was doing to me. He was identifying me by my work, and I was identifying him by his work. Our culture often does that. We often define ourselves by our work. Maybe it's that you you think that you are needed by God, that you are his gift, To himself. Maybe you think that you are special. Maybe that you think that you are judged by your work, your stature among your family, your stature among those of your city, your stature 
in the culture. All of those things are lies. A possible final lie that we hear is that you and I are to chase our dreams. Think for just a moment about David. Before this moment that Samuel is asking for him to be brought in front of him to see if he's going to be anointed as king. David's out on the backside of nowhere. David's watching a small group of sheep. David is just there. Eighth son. Hand me down after hand me down after hand me down. Forgotten by his dad. When Samuel says, hey, go get all your boys and bring them to me. Surely it can't be the eighth one. It's got to be the first one. He's the tallest. He's the son, the heir. If it's not him, it's got to be the second one. If it's not him, definitely the third one. There's no way it's going to get to David. So just leave him out there. Your dreams may be unique. You and I might think of our dreams as us, that you must follow them, that you've got to find your dreams within, and that is the real you, the only way that you and I might be happy. As David sat out on the back 40 with the sheep, looking up at the stars, I wonder what his dreams were. I'm sure his dreams were never because of who his dad was, because of the culture that he found himself in. I'm sure that his dreams were never of the palace. Yet that's where he's going. David gets anointed, but it's not immediate that he is taken into be the king. If you read the chapters after this, you understand that there is probably 15 years in between chapter 16 and the time that he is anointed king, time that he's anointed king and the time that he takes the throne as king. But not only 15 years, but you see that he goes back to the pasture right after this, that then he is ushered into harm's way, that we would say that it's harm's way because Saul, the king Ask for him to come play the harp in the palace. Can you imagine that? How scared it must have been for David to walk in the palace the first time. How scared it must have been for David to walk in every single day. Is today the day? Then when he actually picks up the spear and starts to hurl it at him, I guess this is the day. He found out what happened there in Bethlehem. Day after day, month after month, year after year, David is sent back to the pasture to tend some sheep. Remains low and not on the throne until the appointed time. And all of this for an ordinary individual Second insight, God's view of David 
consisted of more than his own life. God's view of David, he looked past him, through him, and he looked to Jesus. My favorite Christmas song is sung by a group named For Him. The title of the song is A Strange Way to Save the World. And here are the words from Joseph's point of view. I'm sure he must have been surprised at where this road had taken him. Because never in a million lives would he have dreamed of Bethlehem. And standing at the manger, he saw with his own eyes the message from the angel come to life. And Joseph said, why me? I'm just a simple man of trade. Why him? With all the rulers in the world, why here? Inside this stable filled with hay, and why her? She's just an ordinary girl. I'm not one to second guess what angels have to say, but this is such a strange way to save the world. To think of how it could have been if Jesus had come as he deserved. There would have been no Bethlehem, no lowly shepherds at his birth. But Joseph knew the reason love had to reach so far. And as he held the Savior in his arms, he must have thought, why me? I'm just a simple man of trade. Why him with all the rulers in the world? And why here inside this stable filled with a, why her? She's just an ordinary girl. No, I'm not one to second guess what angels have to say, but this is such a strange way to save the world. God could have done it anyway that he chose, and he chose this way. He chose this way to keep a man on the throne for 15 plus years after he had left him and his spirit had left him. He went and anointed another man, yet he didn't ascend to the throne for a decade and a half after that. And when he did, it was all with this picture in God's mind of hundreds of years later that there would be one named Jesus born in a town called Bethlehem, born to a virgin mother, born to a craftsman for a dad. Matthew records his birth with these words in Matthew chapter 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, I wish they were John and Sam, and Ram the father of Amenadab, and Amenadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth. Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. 
And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah, the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Abahud, and Abahud, the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azor, and Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Achim, and Achim, the father of Eliud. Eliud, the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar, the father of Mathan, and Mathan, the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born who is called the Christ. You say, Brian, why are you reading all of that? Because at the end of 1 Samuel chapter 15, the beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 16, this God, who was outside of all of time, He created time and He's standing outside of it, and at this moment in time, In 1 Samuel chapter 16, as it is recorded, that he has left Saul and he is looking for himself a king. Knowing all along, every single one of those names after David was going to be on the throne of the lineage of David, looking toward Jesus. And God looked toward Jesus... And as he saw David there on the backside of absolute nowhere, ruddy in appearance, beautiful eyes and handsome, he saw his son Jesus. And Jesus came. Such a strange way to save the world. Yes, possibly so but the way that God saw fit. Today is December the 22nd, 2019. This Wednesday, Lord willing, we will celebrate again Christmas. Every single one of us have different family traditions. Every single one of us go in every different direction from this spot. Whether you find yourself like the Tillmans and there is a tornado of everyone opening gifts at the same time, who knows who gave what to who, or you find yourself like the family that I married into, the Harringtons, that everybody gets to open one gift at one time. And we go around and we watch them open those gifts one at a time. And it seems like it takes forever. Love your family, Paige. Not as much as I love you, but I love your family. Whatever the tradition is, and they are many, and they are all different, 
I get it. And I'm thankful for them. Just remember this. That the one on the throne for all eternity in the past and all eternity out in the future saw fit hundreds of years before His coming to make sure a ruddy little boy would be king. To lead His people to the greatest of their days and to prepare a way for His Son. This year, this season, this time, it is not about you It is not about me. This season is all about our Savior. And that Savior came. And that Savior, as Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that Savior, that King came and became sin on your behalf so that you and I might have His righteousness. What a gift. What a Savior. What a King. Heavenly Father, thank You for for being able to use ordinary, ordinary individuals like those of us in this room. Thank You, Father, for looking ahead And in your wisdom, anointing a king, all the while looking for your son to come. Jesus, thank you for the life that you lived while here on this earth. Jesus, you were tempted in everything, like like we are, yet you did not sin. Jesus, you gave yourself up for every single one of us so that we might have your righteousness. Father, I pray that as we we sing this morning, but as we walk through this season over the next few days, may our hearts not be moved by this gift or that gift, but Father, may we be moved by the gift you gave us through your Son, Jesus. It's not easy for us, possibly. But God, may our attention and may our focus remain on you these days. As we sing, as we praise your name, may our lives also be turned in that direction. And may we live them for you. We ask it in your son's name, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a time of response. Alex and the uh, team are up here and we ask you to stand and join us and sing and respond back to him during this time. You join us. You have been listening to the latest message from Riverbend Church. We hope you enjoyed it. Live Sim.